You're listening to Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast, dedicated to exploring the full potential of human physiology and mind with focus on ancient and modern techniques of self-development. Spend some time with Dr. Nader, who is leading the way in the science of consciousness and begin your journey to better understanding the relationship of mind and body, consciousness and physiology right now. There is a collective consciousness in society, and this collective consciousness is contributed by the individual consciousness of every one of us. In this episode, Dr. Nader discusses what consciousness is and how we can shift it in a positive direction. So consciousness, what is it? It's all that there is. Consciousness is not a phenomenon. It's not an epiphenomenon of something. It is the stuff of life. It is that which makes whatever we call reality. And then reality appears differently to different observers depending on their quality of consciousness, their depths of consciousness, their ability to appreciate. And there are infinite levels of abilities to appreciate from the most basic elementary particle only appreciating a little quantum activity or a little electrical activity to, you know, this uh, gravitational fields, to appreciating heat and cold, to appreciating feelings of love and emotions, to being conscious of the self, to being conscious of the universe, to being conscious of all the divine realities of pure existence, pure being, which is a higher level of awareness, a higher level of experience, a higher level of consciousness. So this is our perception and would be my sharing, my answer for your thoughts and your consideration about what consciousness is. There are traditions and philosophers that have talked about this. And in the scientific age, it is possible to make a bridge between philosophy and science. And it is not outrageous. It is something that is truly part of reality. It's a joy to be with you again. And now we have some questions that that I have received. I can look at that. I'll read the question from Rebecca. How do we know that the Veda is the blueprint of the human physiology? Now, the Veda, we have to explain, many who are on this live broadcast don't know what Veda is. Veda is an ancient knowledge that is many, many thousands of years old that comes from the ancient tradition in the land of the Veda, which is today India. And there are these seers, they call them, those who are like cognizers, who were going very deep into consciousness. And what they did is instead of exploring the world on the outer level, which means like we do in modern science, objectively studying things, they did it on the inner level. So they went into themselves and they experienced from their level of consciousness, they experienced the deep levels of pure being and not only pure consciousness, but they actually experience the dynamics of consciousness. They experience how consciousness vibrates, how consciousness moves. And they kind of recorded these 
into modern recordings of sound. Uh, modern, we call it, you know, they didn't record it like on a machine. They recorded it by transmitting it to their children and then their children to their children. And this is an ancient tradition, an oral tradition that gave us this Veda. Now, Veda has been very powerful and has very powerful effects, and it has many technologies like transcendental meditation, which allows the individual to go deep into one's own consciousness. And in this scientific age, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi brought this knowledge from this ancient tradition, and he explained it in a very unique way. He said that this Veda, which is sounds, a series of sounds that are, as we said, transmitted from parents to children throughout the ages. He said these sounds, we shouldn't look at them in terms of their meaning. We should look at them in terms of their structure because they are the structures of the laws of nature, of the dynamics of how consciousness becomes matter, how consciousness manifests on the surface level. And they are just the dynamics in an orderly way of how this happens. What is beautiful is that Marshi was convinced that these dynamics, which are the dynamics of the laws of nature, as he explained it, are embodied in the human physiology. And the reason is the human physiology, the human nervous system, is able to experience these dynamics. The fact that we can experience transcending, which means going beyond the surface level into the deepest level of knowledge and experience pure consciousness, pure being, is because our nervous system is so complex and so perfectly built that it has this ability. And therefore, he said, also the Vedas say that everyone is totality, everyone is Brahman, like, you know, we say humans are made in the image of God, like, you know, it says in Islam, consider yourself to be a small atom in which the whole universe has folded itself. That means there is some quality to a human being, even on the surface level, that is very, very important. And so Marshi was convinced that if these are the laws of nature, and if a human being is made in the fashion and created, in that kind of structure, then these two must resemble each other. And so he asked me to do the research on it, and this is one of my main research in the past 20 years or so, and it was to discover that actually the structure of these sounds and how they collect and connect to each other is the same as the structure of our nervous system, the structure of our body. So the discovery on the level of consciousness by these ancient seers is interestingly the same in its dynamics as the structure of the human physiology, as the human physiology is. And that is why we say, and Rebecca is asking, how do we know that Veda is a blueprint of the human physiology? Is by comparing Veda to the human physiology. The second question is from Durand, Laura, or Laurent Durand. Is it possible to modify reality through our consciousness? So this is a very important question, because if everything is consciousness, it must be possible that through consciousness, we can modify reality. But to what extent we can do that, first, 
on a surface level, we do it. <laughs> you know, when you create an airplane, when you invent things, when you have dynamics of creating internet and computers and using technology and machinery and creating new instruments, microscopes and telescopes, what you are actually using is consciousness. You are using your consciousness through intelligence and then using the human instrument, the body, to construct these things that takes us to different, different dimensions. So this is already there. And this is why by creating instruments, by using instruments, by creating societies, by building orderly structures, we are actually using consciousness. One wonders, oh, no, it's my hands that did it. It's my body that did it. The hands are themselves the instruments. What actually created these beautiful instruments, a telescope, a microscope, an aeroplane, a car, a computer, is the mind, is the intellect, is consciousness itself. And then it was projected through some physical activity. So this is one way that it can be done. Obviously, your question is, can I close my eyes and from the level of my awareness modify things and the answer, yes, this is also possible. This is also true. And we have even advanced technologies that Marshi has taught us. We call them the CIDI program, which allows individuals to project a thought on a deep level that can carry on. See, the thoughts that we have can be on a surface level. They are very, very surface, agitated mind. And there, you, don't, you can think whatever you like. It just doesn't have an effect. But if you go deeper and deeper and deeper to reach the unified field, which is the field that creates everything, the field of pure consciousness, from there, the ability to project a thought is much more powerful. So you have to know from which level you are thinking, from which level you are projecting your thought in order to know how powerful your thought can be and whether you can truly achieve something through the field of consciousness. So yes, we even have technologies, we call them yagyas, where you know there are special trained people, pundits from different parts of the world, India in particular, of course, where they have certain recitations of sounds and certain practices that create an effect on the surface level. But even as everyone is, one has, you know, one's thoughts, one's feelings, they influence, we influence each other through all of these values. So we have to be nourishing in our thoughts and supportive in our feelings to our environment. And there is something which we call collective consciousness, which is the sum total kind of the consciousness of a society. And that is the sum of the individuals. So peaceful individual, peaceful minds, they can create a peaceful world because we are part of this consciousness and whether the consciousness is agitated as a, on a collective level or whether it is settled on a collective level, there are different outcomes that can come. And so we have programs to practice these advanced techniques and transcendental meditation together. And we have seen through the research that it can influence crime, it can reduce problems in society, can increase productivity and improve relationships between nations. So we have also studied this scientifically and it's really fascinating 
for its very powerful positive effects on the environment. Question from Igor, what will be the subject of part two, mass and consciousness? <laughs> Part two, mass and consciousness, uh, that is referring uh, to the article that I have written in the International Journals of Mathematics and Consciousness. And there was a part one. And part two is going to be to go deeper into how actually consciousness manifests physically as individual atoms and molecules and how come, where is the bridge between the consciousness value that is more abstract and what we call the physical values. Uh, you know, we know that we have in the first part discussed how the one consciousness becomes many, so already that's a problem to be solved, how oneness becomes multiplicity, and this has been discussed in this first article, and also how the values of intellect comes, which is the discriminating value, how the value of ego comes, the sense of identity, how the value of mind comes, the ability to hold many thoughts, and how the sense of space and the sense of time can emerge. So these are very basic, important values because they are the fundamental values on which, you know, now you start to have energy and electrons and photons and specific values. So how can we explain the emergence of the mechanics of physical, what we call grossly physical and even material, not just physical in terms of physical energy, but becoming material, which means molecules and cells and tissues and all of that. So that will be the next article going more into this, these details. Michael has a question. There is a lot of discussion about artificial intelligence and how it will displace the workforce and whether or not artificial intelligence will actually be able to be imbued with consciousness in the same way as humans. What separates human consciousness from what machine or robots will be able to have? Now, artificial intelligence is one kind of intelligence, one kind of mechanics of consciousness and therefore of course like everything else the robots they have their level of consciousness now their level of consciousness doesn't mean it's similar to ours because they are very basic very mechanical and what they are conscious of they are conscious of electricity of um, you know, mechanical things happening in them, of exchange on a quantum mechanical level, it's possible in the advanced structures, maybe there is, from the surface level, there is an underlying quantum mechanical value, and therefore there is some kind of consciousness. But the robots don't have the complexity of the human nervous system to have self-knowledge or to have an experience of transcending or of going to the field of the unified field and artificial intelligence is a system a way that is the projection of human intelligence human intelligence has led to computers and the ability to create algorithms and to have fast computing and the ability to store huge amounts of data and compare all this data together and that is the human capacity, that is the human creation. 
So artificial intelligence can be used for humans, benefits, or can go also in the wrong direction, uh, you know, the same way as power and energy. They can be used for creative things or they can be used for destructive things. And that is where it is important that human awareness remains very high, that human consciousness and collective consciousness remains very alert and very high so that we are not becoming the objects of artificial intelligence, but remain the subjects who control and guide artificial intelligence and use it for the benefits of making life better on Earth. For example, studying the atmosphere, studying the weather, uh, studying how to produce medicines even that are sophisticated, studying even human and social behavior, but all in a positive way. So it is very important uh, when we are moving into artificial intelligence, which is becoming faster and more important, that we raise human consciousness. It's the same as the time when we used to talk about the atomic bombs and that, you know, we have fathomed a deep level in nature that is so powerful. We went from the surface level of mechanical strength to the chemical strength and now we went into the atom, into the atomic structures and extract the atomic energy. And this atomic energy is so powerful that it can create, you know, havoc. And therefore, human beings have risen to the responsibility to control this kind of potential self-destruction. Now, artificial intelligence is even going deeper than the atomic level. Uh, it's going to the relationship, the forces, the structures, the dynamics that interact between different factors on the surface level and on the deep level. And therefore, we have to raise human consciousness. We have to raise collective consciousness through the collective practice of Maharishi's technologies of transcendental meditation and the TMCD programs, the advanced techniques that have shown that they raise society to make decisions and have foresight and insight and ability to control these factors such as artificial intelligence and not become a slave of it, but be a master of artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence is great as a tool, but we have to remain the master of the tool. So I think it's time to close. I am told this was the time limit for this seminar. Thank you all for attending. I hope you enjoy this and look forward to more questions and another live broadcast where we can discuss further these and other points and thoughts. Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.